This is Bridge Street, and I'm Steve Chernosky. I went to a pool party in June, and everybody there was white. And the conversation actually turned to Juneteenth, uh, which was somewhat surprising, somewhat not considering the times. Everyone there said they were never taught about it, and you've probably seen similar admissions on social media. Because of that moment, I reached out to Bruce Boyd, who is an education activist and former employee at the NJDEP. He grew up in Trent, New Jersey, and in 2003 started Building Our Youth's Development, or Boyd, like his last name. It's a character education and life skills nonprofit organization focusing on education. It began as an after-school enrichment program, then included a supplementary summer program that was highlighted by local Friday field trips. Most of his students are lower to upper middle school kids from Mercer and Burlington counties. Boyd places an emphasis on African-American history, which, to be honest, is really just American history that many of us are discovering we weren't taught much about in school. In the program, students read about black authors, both new and old. Their local Friday field trips have included the African burial ground in Manhattan, hidden black history in Princeton, and underground railroad hotspots in Burlington County. A mega summer history trip with both parents and students highlights it all. Black businesses are supported along the way. Past destinations have included Little Rock, where federal troops had to step in to integrate Central High School, Memphis, the home of Beale Street and where Martin Luther King was assassinated, St. Louis, where the Dred Scott decision was made, and Tulsa, where Black Wall Street existed. Every student in the Boyd program would have known what Juneteenth is way before governments and businesses began recognizing it this year in the wake of the protests triggered by the murder of George Floyd. I spoke to Bruce back in late June about where he sees this all going, what books he would recommend people to pick up, and some tour recommendations if you're into American history. What's interesting is I saw a ton of uh, white, you know, Facebook friends and other friends. You know, I was just at a pool party yesterday, and it's like I never learned about Juneteenth. Like, and and so I'm like, why didn't I call the guy that had Juneteenth T-shirts made years ago? <laughs> so right, 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 right. You know, like you do. Do you feel? Like right now that, I mean, I guess I'll get back to what Boyd is more all about, but I guess, do you feel any sense of, I guess a couple questions. Do you feel any vindication uh, and do you feel like this moment is sustainable or do you think it's, it's kind of a blip in the road that we won't be talking about in 2021? No, I, at first I was very pessimistic about it. Um, However, um over the past 20 20 days now i've really said wow this is really a movement because um for the first time i believe white folks have finally realized that they too were miseducated Hmm. that they too were told lies and and the ones that they held in high regards were the same ones that were oppressing people, oppressing the people. Uh, and so um, this generation, because because the, the mixture of so many uh, races at this point, you have a lot of mixed families. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's that conversation now, you know, um, that they have to have with their 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 kids. That is the conversation that, um, for one, Bill de Blasio has to have. You know, he has to be the white man who says to his black child, I, I can't feel what you feel, you know? 
I, I, I haven't experienced that, but I know that you will. And, and it's happening. So, you know, these are those times where um, that conversation, you know, I, as, as a black man, every time I leave the house, it's, it's, it's like a gamble. Am I going to make it home safe? Every time my son, who's 25, leaves the house, it's like, uh, please call me. Let me know you made it home, you know, and, and it's, it's that conversation. And I remember years ago, like you said, we've been doing this for years. We've been teaching this, and we've had uh, white folks come in, and, and, and they just explain how when their child was pulled over, um, the police brought their child home and mm-hmm. said, you know, he was acting up. We got him. But that same story won't be said to our black children. They don't come home. You have to go identify them in the, in the morgue. And and that's real. And, and, and it's sad, but I believe just, just the eight minutes and 46 seconds did something to people because we've tried it at one of the marches I went to. That's a long time. And this man was in handcuffs for the world to see. And it kind of reminds me of Emmett Till. And his mother said, no, the world will see how brutal people are to black people. And and this was the 2020 Emmett Till. Interesting. And, you know, for, for readers, I'm sure you can look up on Emmett Till. His mother insisted that he have an open casket funeral. Um, so that the world could see in it, and it had reverberations that obviously, you know, inflamed a lot of uh, people's opinions against his murderers. But at the same time, um, didn't didn't really, I, I guess, you know, white supremacy and and, and the, the southern states still didn't really seem to change as much as maybe the potential. I mean, I you know, I I thought about what when you were talking, you know, what if it had been videotaped? Would that have made a bigger difference? And is that oh, the difference definitely. here? Is is that it? Is that is because this was videotaped in in its entirety, pretty much that that the world and I say world because you know there are there are protests in other countries, not just yeah. here. Um, was it was it the video really that that gave us this moment? Yes, it was the video. But we've had other videos. Right. Okay. We've had other videos where um, I can't remember his name, but he was in South Carolina. He was running from the taser, from running from the police. He tried to tase him. So then, as he kept running, the guy, the police pulled out. We saw that video, but you know how media and how um, people distort things. Oh, he had a, uh, he had a, you know, they they want to put the, the mitigating circumstances in. Well. If he didn't do, if he wasn't guilty, why did he run? Because we're afraid. (laughs) We're afraid. We're afraid. One, two. He was he was running from police. There was no need to shoot him in the back. But the shooting is an instant thing. You're being on somebody's neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds with your hands in your pocket, no threat at all. Yeah. that made a bigger difference hmm. because it was personal. 
You know, sometimes they say a shooting, uh, if it's not in close proximity, it's something. But when you when you stab somebody and you stab them over and over, it becomes a crime of passion. It's not just one, but going in and out of somebody, it makes a difference. That was that was close proximity. His knee was on that guy's neck, on Floyd's neck. And that made a difference to everyone watching. Like, you didn't have to be there that long. Mm. You intentionally killed him. Over what? He wasn't selling drugs. He, he wasn't committing a, a crime. It was a, 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 maybe a false, a fake $20 bill, and he loses his life. It wasn't even saying that it was a, a fake bill. We didn't even verify that. And he lost his life. Yeah, that that shocked that shocked the world. That this could happen in 2020 in America, but um, let me get back to Boyd, uh, your, your your program. Um, you know, you 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 had an app, you had a summer, and also you know a during school year, uh, program that I mean, how would you describe that to listeners? You know what what Boyd taught because you know th- we're getting into curriculums. I mean, I I will say right now. The high school that my children will likely attend, uh, South Hunterdon Regional, uh, just put in 12 hours for a teacher to write what, what they're, I guess, piloting as a quote-unquote minority studies for juniors and seniors. Now, my own school, I like to think, has been ahead of this. They, they, they paid me and other teachers money to rewrite curriculum a couple of years back, and I had contacted you about that as well. But um, how would you describe what Boyd has done educationally to viewers on or sorry to listeners unfamiliar okay this might sound <laughs> this might come off but you know a little in a in, in a way um opposition however there is nothing that <clears throat> a white person can do to teach african curriculum because it's personal and the one thing that I can tell you is we teach from our perspectives, from the things that we've been through. And that's the greater connection with young folks that look brown, black, Latino. It's that connection. And then the connection with the white folks is simply the white children are, are simply wow, because um, we don't want your empathy we want your understanding. And so um, when people write curriculums, um, and most times they're, they're white folks still writing these curriculums, yep. it's coming from their perspective. So if you really want to write curriculum and have these conversations, it has to be taught by someone who has experience the trauma because only then will will those growing will understand it you know it's it's the it's the the theory versus the ones who've gone through it i can tell you what i think but i can show you because i went through it and that has been the greater success of Boyd because we've talked from practical experiences. We've connected with our students 
And um, one, me living in the city for so long, is living in the same um, community in which I taught, which is major. And when we go on our trips, we talk about that. Um, I could go to the school and say, did you hear those gunshots last night? See, everybody can't say that. If you're if you're if you're not from the area and you're in Pennsylvania, Langhorn or you know Pemberton or wherever, uh, you drive into the school, you teach, you drive out of the city. So you, you mentioned you're from Trenton and I'm from Ewing. So you know we we kind of grew up um, you know very close to each other. Um, what would you uh, what would you say uh, in terms of history? Like I've been on some of your uh, trips before, and um, you know, like a lot of people get frustrated, like people you mentioned feel like they're being miseducated and you've kind of gone to some medium sized cities that you're like, this city like really does a good job emphasizing all of their history where, and then, you know, Trenton, I guess Patriots week is, is pretty good. <laughs> like, you know, I guess in, in late December, um, right. they, they, they've had a moment, a fleeting moment of a good sustainable week. And, and, but you know, what, what, what should towns be doing right now? I mean, we're seeing, you know, statues being removed. We're seeing uh, plaques going up. You know, like what what should cities be doing right now to better connect with their history for just well, residents? Well, Trenton has, has just missed the boat of tourism. You know, as a leader in, in changing how the world was, they do a poor at showing it you know where we, where we go to york pa and they it's it's all around for you to see three um you go to lancaster you go to gettysburg and and these are the places that we we've traveled to i mean you go to princeton and you can and you can see it so mm. they they you know it's, it's one of those things it's princeton you skip over trenton and you make it out to washington crossing so yeah. and, and trenton was the pivotal piece of all of it so they really missed the boat on tourism and telling history how it should be told um so yeah we we travel to these places um and even going into philadelphia uh, we, we we do these things so that young people could not just read it in a book, but actually see it, touch it, experience it. Um, you know, one of our trips was to uh, St. Louis, and and when they went into um, the courtrooms and and they see the history, and it's like, yeah, in this courthouse, this is where a black man was. Um, fighting for his freedom. Dred Scott? Know? And it's like, what? Yes, this is the same courthouse. So when you read about this in your history books, because you will, you have first-person experience of being there. You know, um, just like now there's this big thing because Trump was trying to do Juneteenth in Tulsa. When we went to Tulsa, we was talking about the race riots and, and the massacre, and I was big on just telling people, like, no, um, 9-11 wasn't the biggest massacre that happened in, on American soil. That wasn't the bomb. It was, it was 1921. But, but we tend to want to forget when white folks were doing something to black folks. We don't want to, oh, that's, don't tell that story. 
it's always somebody else was the terrorist, you know. So even when we went um, down to Cincinnati to the Underground Railroad, and there is actually a slave uh, pen in their Underground Railroad Museum that was uncovered in Kentucky, and it was only found by the uh, great-great-grandchildren. And it was so preserved because what the grandfather did was cover, put another garage over top of the slave pen hmm. and was told and told all they could never go back there. So, you know, this is history in families. And the younger kids was like, wow, you know, we have to share this. My, my family, this was my family, but this isn't me. So you know, these are the stories that that really make makes uh, up America that they try to hide. But 2020, 2020 vision, everything is coming to light. And so you, uh, in the summers predominantly, but not always in the summers, you would uh, take local trips on Fridays with the Boyd program. Um, you know, a lot of African American history. Like I remember going to to Manhattan. Um, to the uh the grave the graveyard that I had right. African burial ground. Yeah, I yeah. had no idea. I had and look, I had and I'm I'm a history teacher and I had no idea this existed. Um and and then so kind of like locals within the New Jersey, you know, f- area trips on Fridays and then a a, lo- a a big summer one which I how would you advertise it? I mean, I feel like it it's it's a it's a history like field trip that, but it feels like it's more than that. Like I'm not finding the right word to describe what it is. <laughs> you know, uh, we make education fun. So it's, it's, it's an expedition. You, you we would say, right. We yeah. called it, we called it the hidden in plain sight. So within, even with, even in New Jersey, there are, there, there is an African presence hidden in plain sight. And we find those sites and we uncover them, and it's the expedition. It's the fun of it. You know, we, I think you've been on a couple where we turn them into um, scavenger hunts. So it's individual learning, but in a fun way. Um, at the top of Witherspoon and Nassau Street, uh, where the bank is that sits right across from Princeton University, that was the first black-owned building in, in Princeton. And, and people yeah. don't understand this history just in Princeton, where Nassau Street, uh, right across from the college, from the university, that was all black. That was the black neighborhood. All those black workers would just work at the college. And so when they started to build up, they literally, they literally picked up the homes of all of these black folks and moved them down with us Crazy. And people don't know that history. And then the other history was simply when um, segregation of schools were being integrated, uh, there was a big push in Princeton to say those kids uh, will, will uh, affect the test scores. And actually, when they integrated the schools, the test scores rose. So there's a lot of misnomers of, you know, blacks are inferior but there's a lot of evidence that no, we we weren't inferior. Uh, you know, it was just the lies that was told. 
And there's a couple good YouTube videos on this this moment in the school system in Princeton that you're bringing up that I, I'll try to point listeners to as well. Um, so you you brought up schools. Um, I, I could get, like I feel like you have a you possibly unique uh, you know point of view on that. At, you know, mentioning of course you know more more black teachers. Um, you know, teaching the history and and also curriculum authors as well. Um, so New Jersey has a, a lawsuit. I don't know if you're familiar against it right now for having segregated schools. Um, and it's, you know, plaintiffs are like the Latino Action Network, the NAACP, and I think one other party. Um, you know, we get into history. And, and um, you know, when after Brown v. Board, uh, look, a lot of people will say, oh, well, yeah, we, we ended school segregation in Brown v. Board. Uh and I know you and I have personally already talked about how many black educators lost their jobs mm-hmm. after that. Um, you know, what's, you know, where are we right now in terms of, uh, you know, our, our public schools? And, and, and if you could, I guess, wave a magic wand. Uh, <laughs> tough question, but uh, how, would you, how would you change things? One, I would, I would hire more black teachers in predominantly white school districts. See, right now you have more predominantly white teachers in predominantly black school districts. And so that's one way to keep it segregated. Um, that And that's a bold move, right? Because um, it's okay for white folks to teach black students at a, at a high rate, but it's not okay for black, st- black teachers to teach white students at a high rate. You, you don't see it. And it's not that black teachers aren't applying. They just don't get hired. The second thing is simply um, when we start to talk about race in America and in race and education, the first book in every curriculum should be Dr. Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the Negro. Mm. That should be a required reading for anyone who's teaching history anyone who's teaching anything African. But guess what? It's not. And, 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 the, and the fact that if you have to teach the miseducation of a Negro as a white person, you probably will feel a little offended. Like, oh my gosh, this, I, I'm actually doing this. I am miseducating my young people. And it's not done purposely. It's just some teachers still don't know. When I go into schools and I bring that book and I start to read from the book, you know, everyone is now being educated. I, I do want to get back to books since you brought up books. Um, uh, so um, before that, by the way, there, there's a tremendous article for listeners um, uh, by Melinda Anderson in The Atlantic, uh, Why Students Need More color, Teachers of Color for White Students. And I will say, when a, when a, some of them are going to you know a, a pretty racially diverse school in Ewing, one thing that I did have was was a lot of black teachers, um, and and who were extremely influential in my life, and and I can extremely remember their names, Mr. Wright, Miss Williams, and pinpoint them to making a difference on my life and opening up discussions like race and 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 you know and, and it was funny. I actually read um, and this gets me back in the books. Uh, I, I, I took a course uh, my junior year, which was the first year in existence. So this is 1994. An old white lady who walked to work, still alive, Barbara Trainer, um, 
taught this course called Notes of Native Son and Daughters. Um, and um, the first book we read was Baldwin's Notes you know, uh, of a Native Son. And mm-hmm. when I read about him getting kicked out of a diner in Trenton, Right. My my getting back to history, uh, I, I, I was floored. Like like I, to me, my single story up until that point had been that this was a southern problem. This was not right. a problem that like it was all those southern quote unquote rednecks who, you know, like and look and, and my my white ancestors didn't own any slaves, which which look, I mean, they're they're they were stomping on grapes in Italy, like in, in, in Lithuania and like um, but that absolutely floored me like reading that and then being able to discuss it in a in a diverse classroom um but so a lot a lot of white people are asking for book recommendations it's summer people like to read a lot more in the summer um one that's been coming up locally here in the indivisible group uh was uh white fragility and then i kind of pointed to a tweet from someone who said I'm not saying you shouldn't read White Fragility, but you should only read it after you've memorized The Fire Next Time and worked your way through the entire canon of black writing first. I was uh, getting ready to say that's the book first. Really? You know, Fire Next Time? Well, my first book would be The Miseducation of a Negro. Then we can go with James Baldwin, A Fire Next Time. But right after you read that, I would say read Ta-Nehisi Coates Between the World and Me because it mimics James Baldwin's book. And, um, you know, it's it's one of the questions that I, I always ask uh, people. Um, after 1865, what was, what was the purpose of black people in America or Africans in America? So you have to go and, and, and think about that. And, and then you see where we are as a world. You know, what were, what were Africans brought to this, these United States to do? And when they could no longer have that free labor, just like everything else, Africans in America became disposable. And that is what you're seeing. One of the areas that I know you think is, is totally undertaught, and, and I, I feel the exact same way, are reconstruction, and and the great migration right i mean so i mean like sometimes i mean like i i think when americans if they dive a little more into reconstruction the the anger would increase even um because this in a way would you would you say that reconstruction i mean i some people have called it a golden age i you know i don't know if i'd go that far but i mean if you had asked most americans about that i i doubt they'd be able to tell you what reconstruction was Right, and and they, because those are the missing years, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in in what is taught in schools, and so you know, there there's so much out there, uh, again that you have to die for it because uh, the, it, it's the hidden history, right? So even in when we took the trip to Little Rock, Arkansas, and and you see how um, they had senators and they had congresspeople and it, it was all black, you know, because the migration was once once they ended slavery, people migrated and, 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 and Africans migrated out west where there was nothing and they built it up. <laughs> and that's what happened in Oklahoma. They built it up. 
And so, um, you know, Oklahoma was supposed to be the black state. That's where everyone was going. And so when they got there, it was 25 counties ran by black folks. And people don't know this history. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. When we went to, when we when we took the trip out to Tulsa, um, it was just like, what? You know, and that's the great thing about taking the trips, that you go, uh, the books, are again, are written from one perspective. But when you go there, you'll get the real history. And so when we went there and, and, and they were sharing with us the 25 counties of, of black folks, um, and it, it was very interesting to understand why it was blown up, why they, they dropped bombs on, on Tulsa, because it was thriving. And, and, and again, you follow that same pattern. It goes out. That's where they talk about the... The, the, tra the Trail of Tears for Native Americans. They were all migrating out west because it was nothing. And we built up something. We built up something in, in Arkansas, and it was all taken away by the Confederates. You know, they were, they were a, a lynch mob at that point. They had no real work, but they had experience at war. And they went into these 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 states, and they they wrecked havoc and and took it back over. We mentioned vacations quite a bit here. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like what what is what, what what do you see in the future as far as uh, Boyd is concerned? I mean, because this seems to be a moment that. If well, if we didn't have a pandemic, of course, uh, this would seem to be a moment where you might have people sell out your your vacation tours that you had run in the past. Um, where where do you see this going in the future? Should we get a cure for the coronavirus? Um, well, once there once we 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 find a cure for it, um, hopefully twenty twenty one we're back up and running, and our 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 first trip. Um, in the summer will be um, the one we had to put off this year, which was um, going to um, Mississippi. This, the, we have to go back. We our, our, our goal this year was to go to the site where they pulled Emmett Till out of the water, go to the courthouse where they were found innocent, and go to the spot where the the Greyhound was burned, the Freedom Riders, and we were going to follow their journey through Mississippi. We were going to Megger Everest Everest home and the Tugaloo Nine at the library where they sat in. So that was a big trip for us. Um, just just touring Mississippi. A lot of people are afraid of Mississippi, but we were going to tour Mississippi. Um, being that we've gone to Tennessee, we've gone to Little Rock, um, we just haven't gone to Mississippi. And so that was our trip. However... You're going to have a new flag when you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and But the bigger trip uh, will be going back to Tulsa 
um, next year because it'll be a hundred years since that uh, massacre. Mm. So they're planning some things, and so that's where I, that's where my heart will be. I, I just need to be there for the hundred years, and so um, those will be our two big trips for next year, um, if possible. I really want to do a, a trip up to Harriet Tubman. Um, we passed it going to Niagara. I remember, uh, yeah. It was just too cold. So I want to go back up and see her, her last house up in New York. Um, I want to do that as a day trip or a, a, a overnight trip. Um, but there's just some things out there that we could do locally to, um, you know, just, just, to just stay informed of what's going on. And I'm just happy that people are opening their eyes to see America for what it is and say now's the time that we need to change it for a better tomorrow. Yeah, and Frederick Douglass is up there too, if I'm correct. Right. Uh, there's a yeah. lot in that. Yeah, there, there's so of... much in that up upstate New York. Like, I, I was kind of like, wow, like, yeah, there is, there's really a lot. Uh, more than I would have well, thought. Well, it was the closest place to Canada. Yeah, right. So that's where they were traveling to. Yeah. You know, um, that was a great trip. And um, you were you were in New York. I think, were you in Canada when we were doing the um, Harry Tubman? No, no. My wife's uh, family lives about an hour outside of Buffalo. So when you said you were going up, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll come meet you. I've never been to that museum, which I thought I thought the the person who did it was very good. It's small, but it's worth it if you're going to Niagara Falls totally. Yes, yes it is. And just to see, you know, the the bridge and the crossing and, and to know about the hotel that was the last stop on the Underground Railroad, it, it was just amazing to me. Again, a lot of stuff that was not told um, that's not in the books, and it, it was an embarrassment to, to a lot of people. Um, because they were organized free blacks that were allowed that were that that were getting people over to Canada. That would be an interesting trip too when they when the border restrictions are are, are eased at some point is looking at the African American communities in in Canada. Right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So. Also, like I, I guess you you can pass on this question if you want. How would you feel if uh, you started running these trips and uh, a, a lot of white people listening to this maybe started uh, signing up and saying, "I I, I want to go on the Boyd tour." How, how would uh, you know how how would you handle that? How would you take that? Would, would you would you double it? Would you say okay, or you know? And then I want to get into a self guided tour, like what you would think a self guided tour would look like. Well, no, I. I would I would welcome it, you know. It's 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 not it's not a black thing. It's not it's not a white thing. It's a it's a real thing. <laughs> so, like I said, white folks have been miseducated for 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 years, just as much as as black folks have been. So if they're ready to get the real truth, then we welcome it you know it's it's only then when you can really have some change makers listen when we, even when we went to selma you know and, and learning that story there were some 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 white folks that died in selma that were murdered they didn't die they were murdered in selma because they knew the truth and they they felt they felt that they had to do something 
you know, the Freedom Riders. There were some white folks who died, who were murdered. So, you know, there's not there's not uh, malice for in my heart. It's, it's it's that I know with any movement that it's going to take all of us. And and this time in this movement, you see a lot of all of us. And sometimes you see more of white folks protesting harder now than you see blacks because, again, we 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 have a lot of uh, skepticism in us and said, you know, this ain't going to go anywhere. But like I said, there has been a shift this time. So, what what was your favorite um, city or state? I mean, it sounds like Tulsa would probably be the winner just uh, from hearing you speak. But uh, like you know, like what's I guess two questions. What's one of your your favorite cities that most listeners wouldn't expect to be a very cool vacation, uh, learning vacation? And then what would be like a nice two day itinerary, maybe somewhat locally for people if they want to learn a little more about uh, history and um, not have to travel too far. Um, if you don't want to travel too far. Um, in New Jersey, I, I really liked, um, the, the New Jersey, New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, their state parks. So going down to, uh, gosh. That's your former job, by the way, right? <laughs> that, yes, yes. That's one of my yeah. former jobs. Yeah. Yeah, so there's state parks. Um, um, Alaire, out out um, close off of 18, Route 18, Alaire State Park. They have a mm-hmm. little community there. And then there's one in South Jersey. Oh, I can't think of the state park that we went to. But those are two nice ones to go to. Princeton, if there, there are some scavenger hunts. There are some... Um, things online that you can learn about Princeton, just like on Witherspoon Street, there's a little placard. You'll walk over it. It's right outside the the, the, re, um, the new library. There's a square there that it, you, there's a placard in the ground, which I think it should be up on up and not in the ground because, like I said, you'll walk over that space. Hmm. Um, but Princeton is full of African history um, locally. Now, um, what I did like is a a great historic city is Tennessee, actually, Nashville and Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, those, those were my, you know, because it was a lot of history um, and a lot of entertainment as well because right. you just don't want to, you, you know, it's overload. You go to Memphis and you go into the Lorraine Hotel, it's an overload. So after leaving there, you, you, you want to, um, you know, you you got to just settle down after seeing all that. So Memphis was really, really good. Second, second would be Little Rock. We love Little Rock. We love um, visiting the the school we we walked the elizabeth effort walk where you know that was shown all over the, the world 
of the angry white mob as this 14-year-old girl was just trying to get into school. So we walked that walk. Now, I think I have some Facebook Live video on that when we when we took that walk. Um, going to uh, um, Bates' home, um, Bates was the organizer of NAACP, going to her home and seeing um, the tunnel that she had made to escape uh, the bomb threats and everything else mm. when King would come and just going into that house was amazing uh, to to sit in into those the to sit in the rooms where they would hold their meetings the, with the students and take their pictures. Um, so yeah, Tulsa was great, but we've had some amazing tours where we were able to go back in in time. And, and and just explore, you know, walking into the halls of Central High um, after reading um, Warriors Don't Cry by um, Melba Patillo um, to just imagine the, the, the bathrooms and the hallways where they were getting beat and walking through those halls. It was, it was, it was eerie, but, you know, you just felt their presence still in the building. So, yeah, those tours are awesome tours. Um, and and you can find these tours. Like, you don't have to wait for a boy trip. It's really just going on the federal government um, National Park Service. They mm-hmm. have a whole African-American um, series. And um, National Park Service, NPS.org, I believe. And, and that's how we pick many of our trips because of because of the National Park Service that they have done a fabulous job at, at uncovering the history of America from the African uh, perspective. No, I do think that that's a great recommendation. I'm going to make sure in the notes to link that website. Um, I'm, look, I, I, I do think that more Americans will be taking these history, um, these history tours, whether they're self-guided or not, uh, to learn more about some of the hidden history that you really helped emphasize in this in this about our uh, podcast. And I look, I know that one thing that Boyd does when you guys travel too is you try to support uh, local black businesses, which a lot of restaurants who let's face it, I mean, are, are going are, are hurting extremely badly right now and will definitely need people's money uh, you know in, in 2021 and beyond. Um, what's the best uh, what's the What's the best place you've had food on one of your trips? And what was the meal? <laughs> so, absolutely. Sometimes we, we say we're, when we, a boy trip is like uh, feeling like Mansa Musa. When we go into a town, we change the economy of one business for a day. So, in their history, they would know that 50 something new people, they came into their establishment. And so, one of the best places was. In, in in Tulsa, we um, still they were on um, Greenwood Avenue, little little restaurant, one of the only black places left in that area, um, and it was so small that it couldn't accommodate all of us. So what the owners did was we placed our order, and they brought all the food to our hotel. Wow. And that was, the food was delicious. 
um, and and that they went above and beyond because they knew we we came from New Jersey, and after we told our story, they pretty much closed down their restaurant and just made food for us and brought it to our hotel. Wow. So. Do you remember what you had? Um, excuse me. Do you remember what you ate? Um, it was the typical Southern food: the collard greens, the the chicken macaroni and cheese, um, the pound lemon pound cake. Mm. Uh, it was just a typical soul food. And that's one of the things we like to do. You know, even when we went to um, Kansas City, we was trying out all of different barbecue. We found that we didn't like Kansas City barbecue. <laughs> so I was there a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was it was intense. Their, right, their, their feelings right. on it's like our feelings on pork roll here or something like that right. <laughs> so yeah you know um i i really didn't even speak about that that trip but that that kansas city trip and going out to st louis kansas city topeka um that yeah that was all on that same trip yeah we kansas city kansas and and it, it was interesting because you know i kept trying to figure out what is Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. And, and it's literally just walking over a line. Yeah. And and you're in two different places. But, um, yeah, that was, you know, just getting, trying out all the different barbecues. We, we did love St. Louis barbecue, though. <laughs> so that was a great, great, um, great trip. That was definitely a great trip. I have a friend in Columbia, Missouri. I'm going to make sure they, they hear the last part of this for sure. But uh, so, uh, Bruce, uh, Boyd, thank you again for uh, for doing this. And can you uh, give uh, listeners uh, some website information or, or any Facebook information just to, uh, you know, promote uh, the work that you've done? Oh, okay. So our, our, our website is www.boyd-nj.org. And you can find us on Facebook if you type Boyd2003 or at Boyd2003. And it comes up with our Facebook page. Um, you know, this 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 COVID has hurt us. Um, however, uh, we're just trying to stay safe and, and, and can't wait to get back to our students and get back to our uh, adult learners who love the history and, and travel with us. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a time, but we're going to get through this and we're going to come out of it and keep exploring and keep learning and keep exposing everyone to the, to the history that has been um, hidden for so long. So I thank you for um, asking me to join you on this podcast. I, I, I appreciate the work that you do, and I look forward to working with you and traveling with you soon. Yes. Um, uh, because, you know, you brought, that summer, you brought another dynamic to our program, and we loved it. Um, you got our children to write more about their experiences. You, you taught them how to interview and, and it was just an added bonus to what we were doing, and, and we thank you, Steve, for all of that. No, hey, uh, I, it was it was awesome. So for people who didn't know, that was for the Citizens Campaign, a great organization in New Jersey that works in a lot of uh, New Jersey cities. 
And that's how I got connected to Bruce, and that's why we produced this podcast right now. So, Bruce, thank you for all the work that you, you've done and the time that you've given to me right here today. All right, thank you. All right, take care.